buckle up and get ready for the journey as we navigate the ongoing relationship between belief and life, theology and doxology, or as we like to say, theodox. Welcome to the Theodox Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to Theodox Podcast. We're glad you joined us. We are your hosts, Joshua Brooks and Gracie Calhoun. And tonight we get to welcome back some of our favorite guests, Ryan Breland and Grayson Calhoun. What's up, guys? Hey, hey. Nice Hi. to be here again. <laughs> <laughs> welcome Hello. back. Um, tonight we have a great conversation. Uh, we're just going to call this out of context. Just like straight it. out of context. Oh. And um, so I have a question for you right out of the gate. What is the... The, the the sermon you've heard that was the most taken out of context. <laughs> you have one? Oh, no comment. No, no <laughs> nobody wants to go first. <laughs> nobody wants to go. Um, so I did see a, a, a YouTube clip the other day of a guy, and I don't I, I don't know what verse he was using, but he was saying that beards were sinful. Mm. But mm. I wish that. I wish I had listened Dude. to what the verse was so I could say how it was taken out of context. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I've heard, I mean, shout out Matt Davis, uh, but he put me on to like, you know, some of the wild independent fundamentalist guys who are uh, like, yeah, beards are bad. And yeah. cause they're like hippies. Cause like, you know, who had a beard? John Lennon had a beard. Oh, okay. He's a friggin' hippie. You know who else <laughs> had a beard? Abraham Lincoln. And Jesus. Hippie. Jesus didn't have a beard. Um, have scripture. you seen the pictures? Have you seen the pictures? <laughs> but scripture says they ripped out his beard. Show me the pictures, guys. No. <laughs> you see plenty of pictures with Jesus with a beard. I've just, I mean, I don't know. Most of my see are like blonde and he's surfing. <laughs> I, I love the, the meme where it's like someone take a picture of their grandma's house and they had Obi-Wan Kenobi as yes. Jesus. That makes me so... Who is what? You and McGregor? You and McGregor. Yeah, you and McGregor. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to talk about <laughs> verses taken out of context and... Um, so I thought it'd be cool. Like, let's just throw out some of those that you all have heard over time that are just maybe the vinyl stickers on walls or mugs or posters or whatever. What are some of the ones you think are the most taken out of context? Mm. Uh, first one that comes to mind is every athlete's favorite. And that's uh, Philippians four. The, uh, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. Romans eight twenty eight Definitely uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. <laughs> I think one that's thrown out there a lot, just in tense situation is uh, Matthew 7. You can't uh, judge me. So we, I think, all probably brought maybe some different ones to the table. And um, so maybe why don't we do this? Um, we'll just take turns. I mean, I've got one in Exodus if we want to start there. I'm sorry, you said Exodus what, 21? What chapter? Yeah, Exodus uh, 21, verses 23 through 25. Oh, okay. I was looking 24, at 24, 20. 25 is really the no, I'm, taking I'm out of context. Okay, I got it. I'm just I got it. all that by going to the wrong one. Sorry. Sorry. Say all of that over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this verse isn't a free pass to just like get revenge on somebody that you feel like has done you wrong. This yeah. is, uh, I mean, we see in 23, it's actually talking about, or 22, sorry, when men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined as the woman's husband shall impose on him and he shall pay as the judge her determines. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life. Mm. It's talking about, you know, mm. yeah, what happens if you hit a pregnant woman and something like something happens to the child. So not. do you think this verse is pro capital punishment? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, it's also mosaic law. So we're in the new covenant. It doesn't really <laughs> apply. So you're not pro capital punishment. Um, We're just trying to make it all. I don't know. I mean, it, life is special and should be treated that way. Life is special. Yeah. Um, well, because Jesus obviously quotes this passage in the Sermon on the Mount, and I think cool. again the what the law is getting at here is, you know, not going above. Right. Mm. If I, you know, step on your foot, you don't kill my dog. Um, and we don't kind of because I think human nature uh, is to escalate and kind of take things mm -hmm. way out of control. I think of uh, the Untouchables and Sean Connery. Uh, you know, it's been if, a long time ago. The Untouchables is it not the movie? Yeah, I mean it's an old movie, but it's a great movie. Yeah, uh, okay, but I just don't remember. It's been a while. Oh, dude, well let me remind you. Okay. Um, <laughs> Elliot Ness is trying to. Uh, anyway, that's not okay. What we need to, but he he has a lie. It's a great lie. It gets used a lot. Like if uh, they send one of yours to the hospital, you send two of theirs to the morgue. Mm. You know, so like if you know. And that's kind of how we tend to operate and live as humans is 
you know, you cut me off in traffic. Now I'm going to follow you home and, you know, yeah. go above and beyond. And I think, you know, what God is after here is like, Hey, there's an appropriate measure. Like, you know, the punishment should fit the crime and not going above and beyond. And then Jesus takes it a step further and says, you know, forgive people. Yeah. And you know, I don't know about that. That's exactly where my mind went was Jesus tells us to turn the other cheek. Yeah. And so there's an, there's a stark difference. Mm -hmm. Um, but then there's also a difference between what God institutes judicially for a society. And we, you know, the laws were for Israel as a nation and there were moral laws, but there are also laws just governing how should a society work. Um, so, you know, some of what Jesus is saying, like with turn the other cheek is more personally forgiving. Um, I guess in a lot of ways than like judicially governing a, a body. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that's a, that's a good one for, yeah, I guess one that's taken out of context there. Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. It's not as prevalent as some of these others, but we're starting chronologically. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There we did it. I think Grayson has a problem hitting people. That's right. <laughs> Maybe he has a problem, a problem with being with hit. Like, being like, hit. He's yeah. like, if I'm going to hit, he's like, I don't have a problem. So I don't like that How far can I hit back? <laughs> I have no problem with self-defense. <laughs> All right. Jeremiah 29, 11 then, right? Let's do if we're that going one. chronologically. If you had to rank verses that are taken out of context, where do you think Jeremiah 29, 11 ranks? Probably top, top, top three. Two. Top, top two? Yeah. yeah. Three? When Jeremiah says, you know, the Lord knows the plans he has for you. Uh, God's plans for our lives are often different than our plans for our life. Mm -hmm. I think that's where mm -hmm. proof text is where it's like, okay, you know, God is going to prosper me and make me rich. And like, that's, you know, that's my plan for my life. And the Lord's plan for my life yeah. is often my sanctification. And, you know, my plan for my life is to go home and eat hot Cheetos and watch Star Wars Rebels. Uh, but the Lord's plan for my life is probably to love my wife and pay attention to her. Yeah. I feel like one of the big issues with Jeremiah 29, 11 and pretty much all old Testament passages is the word you. Right. And I think that pronoun we read out of that, like, mm -hmm. Oh God, that scripture is speaking to, talking about to me. me. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, without even taking into consideration the context of, you know, who that prophet was speaking to or who that mm -hmm. writer was writing to, mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of those get thrown off there because earlier in Jeremiah, for example, in chapter 13, Jeremiah says, speaking as God to the same group of people, I will scatter you like chaff driven by the wind from the desert. I myself will lift up your skirts over your face and your shame will be seen. Dang. Like if we take that same you yeah. and that pronoun and go like, oh, that that's what God's going to do for to me. That, yeah. that one's not me though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the same prophet speaking to the same group of people but he's not saying anything positively therefore we don't take that out of scripture and misuse it yeah right. the greater issue is i think learning how to read the old testament yeah kind of like you're saying like again it's not about us like we're we're not david you know we're not right abraham we're not like we're not the main character these are real people who existed who god like worked and used their you know used them to accomplish his purpose and so i think primarily what we can maybe the best way to read or interpret Jeremiah 29, 11 is what does it tell us about the Lord and his character and not, you know, what, you know, how do I make it all about me and my prospering? Yeah. And so I could read this verse and see, okay, the Lord is and even reading this entire chapter and seeing like, okay, what is God's plan and purpose for Israel? Yeah. Like it, it it's that should encourage us more than anything is like, again, learning God's character and seeing his faithfulness from Genesis into the new Testament into ultimately revelation and how he's working things again for his glory, but how his glory ultimately is the best thing that could happen to us. And it's for our good. This is actually a part of a rebuttal to a false prophet, um, Hananiah. And you can see that in chapter 28, what he prophesied. And it was basically prosperity and that, they were going to come out of this in two years. And um, so this verse is actually saying that um, it's a part of a rebuttal to that is what it is. But and it's not just all prosperity either, because I think it's um, it's a verse right before in verse 10, where it says when 70 years are mm -hmm. completed, like that's a lot of suffering. That's a lot of trials. Yeah. That's a lot of well, stuff you yeah, got to go through. Earlier, so. Like you know, uh, verse five, build houses and live in the, live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Like as you're saying, like the right. false prophets were saying, 
you know, nothing you got, bad's gonna nothing happen. Nothing bad's to me. gonna happen. God's <laughs> gonna deliver you guys. You won't go into captivity. And God's like, no, no, no. <laughs> right. Yeah. Y'all finna go into captivity. Yeah, I think that prosperity that we see the false prophets uh, prophesy is often how this verse gets interpreted. Is like, hey, yeah. this yes. is like, I don't know. A lot of times I see it like, you know, you know, high school or college girls that you know, like their boyfriend just broke up with them and like post this on their Facebook <laughs> or Insta, and they're like. Yeah. God's going to prosper me from this and all this stuff. Good things are going to happen. I'm like, well, I mean, yes, Israel does prosper under God, but like they're going into exile for 70 years. Like bad stuff's about to happen. Uh, We oftentimes think of like prosper as like Mm -hmm. a here and now my good air Mm -hmm. quotes, right? As far as my health, my wealth, my um, relationships going good, that's what we think of when we think of prosper. And like that's what our culture means by it as well. So I guess for us to, we have to kind of switch our mindset and to prosper spiritually is to be conformed to the image of Christ, right? Yeah. And so this plan of God is um, referring to like his plan for his people as a whole. Right. These plans ultimately point to Jesus as he comes and is that promise for a future and a hope that's fulfilled through his death and resurrection. So that's that's where we can prosper through is because of that that future hope. Yeah, I think uh, and not to get too off in the weeds, but with, if we're talking about this being out of context, the you know, the theme of the night anyway, the conversation, you know, one way for us to, to guard against doing injustice to scripture is to read it within the broader context right. that it's in. And just as you brought up, I mean, verse 10 just says, it gives context yeah. to this when 70 years are completed for Babylon, yeah. which means he's specifically saying this to this particular group who's about to go off for 70 mm-hmm. years to Babylon. So for us to take the next verse and say, that's for me here now in 2023 in America is very different. It's uh, it's a mutilation of scripture. Yeah. And, you know, it's wild that we can sit there and just pull that one verse out without going, well, the rest of this is clearly about a particular group right. of people in a different historical context and about historical events that happened to them, you know, and that that changes it all together. And so I would just encourage in reading scripture to really just, you know, comb through whatever you can to get the actual historical context of what's going on mm-hmm. uh, to see who's actually being spoken to and and how that maybe even played out in history. I'm not hating on the Bible app, but if we just open the Bible app and see the verse of the day and just like, cool, like, well, again, you're missing out on everything else that's being said, yeah. right? right? If I just took one line from one of, from this podcast and just used it as a representation of, you know, Grayson's character, then I don't really know who Grayson is. And mm-hmm. so it's, again, like, we have to, like, re... I, this might be preaching to the choir, but like read chapters, read books of the Bible, like read the full thing. Mm -hmm. And don't again, just kind of necessarily nitpick the verse that like really, I really like and makes me feel good about myself, but read it to understand again, like what is this revealing to me about God? I think it's very important for us to use scripture to interpret scripture. Like if we look like I wear glasses, if I don't wear them, stuff looks weird and like, I can't see far off. Same thing with scripture. Like if I, take what the culture says and I use that to interpret what scripture says like I'm going to I'm going to be pretty far off of what scripture says but if I take scripture and use it to interpret scripture then like that's the that's the best case scenario of understanding what this is mm-hmm. also via the holy spirit and his work in my life like yeah I'm not going to understand this without him right yeah. that helps too that's good it's a major major help yeah so, yeah. <laughs> so like how weird like if you took your glasses off what does Gracie look like oh I mean like I can see up close like, like an alien by the time, like, I, get you and, like, by the time like, I get to you and Ryan it's fuzzy okay I didn't know if it was like weird like you see like some sort of like weird shape dragons yeah. and there's this <laughs> like, like uh, ogre looking thing that talks to me sometimes no. am I an ogre then no <laughs> like yeah, Princess Fiona so he's talking about you <laughs> dang so anything else on Jeremiah twenty nine eleven? We can give more Bible reading tips as we move through these. Yeah. Mm, do old does is it prevalent that we take Old Testament promises and apply them to ourselves? Is that an American thing or is that just like an always been thing? Because I see it pretty prevalent in American society that we take promises mm. to Israel in the Old Testament and we're like, oh, that's that that can happen to America. Mm. Or is that like historically a thing that's happened? I mean, I don't know about that that type of misinterpretation in particular, but every, every era has had its own 
like you look back slavery at one point scripture was used to endorse mm-hmm. slavery in america um you look back um hitler proclaimed to be a christian and used scripture in in Mar- writings of martin luther mm-hmm. i mean so you had people throughout history who misinterpreted scripture yeah and whether yeah. it was that same way or not you know but i, th- I think you know there are probably more or different emphases at different times based on kind of what's happening in the culture or what voices are speaking and how they're interpreting i can go to ross's after this <laughs> <laughs> the ross's yeah. i gotta stop by walmart's too <laughs> I think one good thing to add about this is that God does have a plan for our lives. Mm -hmm. Not that this is necessarily talking about us, obviously. We just, we acknowledge that it's talking about the exiles, the Jewish exiles in Babylon, right? But God does have a plan for us. And especially for believers, like that plan is salvation. That plan is from his wrath and the wrath that we deserve. That plan is for repentance and believe in him and to fight to become like him through his power. So we aren't saying that God doesn't have a plan for us by saying this, but we're just saying that this verse isn't about us. His plan is not to send me to Babylon for 70 years. I hope not. And promise to bring me out. That's not, I mean, I don't know that, but I'm, you know. You might be called, brother. I don't think it is. We're just looking at the context here. Yeah. All right. So what's next? Let's do Philippians 4. That's well, fun. And make fun of athletes. I guess Matthew would actually be next. Tebow. That's right. Yeah, Ma- I mean, Matthew would be next. Matthew yeah, would be next. But I'm already on to Philippians. So. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. We were doing this because of Ryan, and now uh, he's making us stop doing it. Well, you get what you get. You don't throw a fit. You got to be ready to mix it up. I was thinking 413. That's what I was thinking. 13, yeah, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes. Arr. I know, right? I can run faster. <laughs> I can kick harder. I can think better. I can... The way you said that. I can hit the ball farther. Yeah. yeah. What does this verse mean, Grayson? What is mm. Philippians 4.13? How should we read it and interpret it? So this is Paul talking about being content in whatever situation he was in. Um, and I think this is just talking about us being able to be content, being okay in whatever situation we're in, whether we are brought high or we're made low. Um, yeah, not about winning your game or getting an A on your test. It could make you think better because if it makes you think more like Christ, then that's better technically. Mm-hmm. That is true. Yeah, that I mean, is. right before that, he says, yeah, 11 and 12. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing uh, plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened. I know, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Paul was shipwrecked. He was beaten multiple, you know, like if you read Acts and, you know, you read Acts, Paul is mutilated. It's terrible. I mean, even in the second part of verse 11, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Like that's exactly Mm -hmm. what he's talking about. Like you said, is learning to be content. It's not about our potential. It's not about our possibility of greatness. It's about being content wherever God calls us. Yeah. I think ultimately like, that is far more encouraging and like life giving to know like, okay, like I can, yeah, I can be poor. I can be a, you know, single, I can be whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. situation you are in, like Jesus is more than enough to carry you through that. And so I don't need to look to outside things. I don't even need to look to myself and rely on myself for Mm self-sufficiency. Like God has supplied everything I need through Jesus Christ. And that ultimately is like where joy and happiness and satisfaction comes from, not through circumstances, not through my own ability or power, but through Christ alone. Right. I mean, because reading this verse incorrectly actually encourages us to be discontent, right? Because we're constantly longing for our version of better. So if we read it wrongly, like our culture, and we can very easily tend to read it, it's like, if I can just do this and be better than that actually like you're saying it will discourage us and it will make us discontent because we're always searching for the next and the best yeah. the greatest yeah because we're meaning i can do this thing and i can do it right. better and then it. you're not you're gonna suck and yeah. then you're like that wasn't supposed yeah. to happen god you told me yeah you know <laughs> i even put it on my eye black yeah you know <laughs> and now i lost i put it on my shoes or wherever yeah you know? yeah it just get those bad expectations yeah yeah yeah, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I see this kind of stuff. I just roll my eyes. I know. It's like, oh. 
I know I hate it so bad. <laughs> My favorite. Uh, this is, I guess, again more a proof text thing, but like, uh, it's in Job and Satan is talking to God, and he's like, "You have surely blessed the work of His hands," and like it, they had it on a multi-tool, I like Christian g- gift stores that you could get for your dad. And it says like, you know, "You have blessed the work of His hands," and it's like that's that's Satan talking. You don't want to, yeah, you don't want to quote that's Satan. That's hilarious. Like, you don't, you know. So that's again, rough. read the whole thing. But I mean, this verse in essence is really talking about how Paul himself is relying on Christ's power, right? And following Christ's example. And through those things, he is able to face all circumstances with contentment. Um, He wants to impress the same lesson upon his readers. And so that's, that's what he's driving at here is rely on Christ's power, follow Christ's example, and be content. Matthew 7? Yeah, Matthew 7 would be good. Yeah, I, Let's I go to think, Matthew. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you all that whatever you're, we, whatever I do or say, you can't judge me. Mm. <laughs> go ahead. Live so your truth. who can judge you? Only God can judge Only me. Only God can judge me. That, that sounds long. way scarier. Right? <laughs> 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 but to somebody but, who but to somebody has a low God view of God, that's not, me, that's right. I mean? yeah, I'm not mean. afraid of God's judgment because I know all, it's true. That's why they all if we are believers, that's, you know, yeah, it's not, it's not scary. Hey, I prayed a prayer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read this and then we'll talk about, so Matthew 7, 1, judge not that you be not judged for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can, I said, ah, real Southern like, ah. or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is log in your own eye? We hear this kind of stuff all the time. You hypocrite. How can you say anything mm-hmm. to me? You know, I saw what you did last week or I know what you did. You know, yeah. anyway. Um, that was a lot more than I don't know who one. I was trying to impersonate right there. <laughs> I don't know what I sounded like. That just seemed very relevant to your life. <laughs> Seem like that's coming out of your Sound heart. like it was like personal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. What did you do last week, Josh? I don't know. Uh, but sounds like you need to confess. <laughs> yeah. So let's just let's just ask this question. Can't what? All right. So judge here, I think, has to have two different thoughts. Hmm. Um, because one is when we observe, discern, we make a decision. There is a level of judgment of a situation. Mm-hmm. And that is not necessarily what Jesus is talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, another judging is a condemning of someone mm-hmm. or, um, yeah, making a conclusion of, of, a, of a damning sort. And um, so, and, and I'm going to, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say Jesus is not necessarily condemning either one of those right here. Right. Um, but what are your thoughts on Judge not. Can can anybody judge anybody else? Yes. I mean, it happens all the time, every day. Every day. But I guess biblically is what you're asking. Yeah, right. Yes. Biblically, should we? Paul yeah. tells us in 1 Corinthians 5 to judge people. Yes. Um, he explicitly, well, he tells us again, yeah. the issue in 1 Corinthians 5 is their sexual immorality in the church and they're not doing anything about it. And he says, hey, you should do something. Like, you guys got to judge him. Like, you got to deal with immorality in the church. I think, again, that should be the warning for us as Christians is like, before we want to point the finger at the world and look at them and, you know, say whatever about them, like, let's look in, in the church, let's look at us, like judgment starts in the house of God. Paul says that, Mm -hmm. but like, where is immorality? Where is sin in our lives? Where is sin in the church? And let's deal with that. Like he says, God's going to judge the world. So again, like not to say that we don't say anything about the world, but we start here and God will take over the world. God will judge the world. But man, we got to hold ourselves to a high standard. Like that's what he's getting at. Yeah. Yeah, this is a blank. Yeah, they are. I'm just winging it, man. (laughs) Yeah, this, uh, (laughs) like Paul's not saying that we, they should judge them in order to, like he's saying that he's judging them in order to condemn their sin, but not to condemn them as people. Like he's like the hope in judging them is to bring them to forgiveness, to pardon, to pardon, to restoration, like to, to bring them back into that body. Yeah. And so, I don't know that we should judge to necessarily condemn people and like push them to the side and like be done with them yeah. for us to judge people in an order that they would see the error of their ways, the truth of the gospel, mm-hmm. the mercies of God, like 
Yeah. yeah, that's what we yeah. can we can debunk that Jesus isn't he's not saying that we shouldn't evaluate things morally. Right. And we right. we know this by five verses later, which is in verse six. Yep. He calls his um, his opponents dogs, dogs. and pigs. Yep. I, I, <laughs> and I, you don't say you have that in your notes. You have nothing in your notes. Read my read my. <laughs> In my margin. Look at the margin. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I have here to identify that, dogs and pigs, we have to make judgments. Exactly. Yeah. And those animals specifically are ceremonially unclean and symbolize people who respond to the message of God's kingdom with adamant unbelief. So that is a um a moral judgment in and of itself for Jesus to even mm-hmm. call them that. And then later in the chapter, um, Jesus exhorts us to beware of false prophets, of wolves who wear mm-hmm. sheep's costumes. So you recognize them by their fruits is what it says in verse 16. So how do you recognize them by their fruits unless you are some judging. sort of moral mm-hmm. judgment, yeah. right? Yeah. So we can debunk that it's not about a a moral judgment. So what there. is Jesus calling us to in these passages, in these verses? Primarily, he's calling us not to judge hypocritically. And so that's why in verse three, he says, why do you seek the speck in your brother's eye, but not notice the log in your own eye? Mm-hmm. There's a, and, and then he goes on to say, first take the log out of your own eye and then go to your brother. So even there, he's telling us to go do this thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's telling us to do it after a thorough personal evaluation mm-hmm. and not in a hypocritically judging kind of way where, I mean, if I were to go to Ryan and say, Ryan, I can't believe you're doing this. And then I'm, I'm doing the very thing or worse, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. then there is an issue um, with the way that I'm judging yeah. uh, without personally evaluating. So the judgment is twofold for me to evaluate but i think one of the things you hit on was key which is um paul says in first corinthians 5 we are to judge the church those who are outside the church that's for god to judge Mm. and so yeah it is for us with i mean he goes on to say if you know someone who calls himself a brother in christ and is living in sin you're not even to share a meal with that person. Yeah. Like that's pretty intense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's even, I mean, Jesus in Matthew 18, right? Yeah. He deals with church discipline. He's kind of like, let them be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, I think we sometimes, and this is kind of getting off out of, out of context for out of context. There you go. But we, uh, you we minimize sin. We minimize sin in our lives. We minimize yeah. sin and to, yeah. and we kind of, yeah, just lower the standard. And God's like, no, 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 like, this is serious. I'm holy, and we need to deal with it. Again, in Matthew 18, it starts with that. Like, if your brother sins against you, go and tell go, him his yeah. fault. Like, and again, I, the attitude that we should have and adopt as Christians when we are discerning, judging, whatever word you want to use, is humility and mm-hmm. understanding, mm-hmm. like, hey, we are sinners who have been forgiven. And right. so I'm not coming at you as, like, you know, Mr. Holy, Mr. Perfect, putting on airs. I'm coming to you as, you know, a brother who has been where you've been, who cares about you and loves you because that's how Jesus cared about me and loved me. Yeah, we should be merciful as God has been merciful to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there are those two sides of the ditch. Like, I could be way too merciful and not call out sin, not judge, not mm-hmm. help my brother. That's actually unloving to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just be let him go on and sin. Or you can be on the other side of condemnation and, you know, calling out everything without showing any kind of mercy that we've been shown. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't know the details of that in First Corinthians five necessarily, but Paul calls them arrogant for not dealing with it. Yeah. And so like it's it's interesting, like I think in our culture and you know, that we can say, well, we can be overly merciful, but Paul uses a different word and it's it's interesting mm-hmm. and obviously we don't really know the context of how they were acting, but they weren't willing to deal with it. And he's like, How can you be so arrogant? to let this go on, you know, and it's like, whoa, that's a weird word to go along with that, I think. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think ultimately for this, it's like, just don't be judgmental, you know, like make theological and ethical judgments, just not from this, like your high horse looking down your nose at people. So do things humbly and gently and out of love for others. I think is mostly what this is getting at. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, blanketly excuse judgments though. Right. And I think that's where it kind of gets used. Like nobody can make judgments. Mm-hmm. And clearly, like, as you were saying this, even after this, in, in this same context, 
judgments are made like right. about things. I mean, to believe that and just read it as is and not to look at the context or to dive in further of what that means, just for myself to like think that I can't be judged by anybody just puts you on such a high horse that... Yeah that we just aren't meant to be on because if we truly evaluate ourselves then we will be so humbled when we mm. evaluate ourselves and look at who god is then we will know like i mean hey i want that accountability you know like i want yeah i might not feel good yeah i might not like say i want it all the time but ultimately for my own spiritual good i want others to judge me in a mm. sense as well so it's, uh, it's also just going back to like us reading in context. It's interesting that most of chapter six is about hypocrisy. Mm. And then mm. he starts off chapter seven with this. That's interesting. And yeah. so um, the judging in a hypocritical way is uh, the primary thing he's getting at there, which is interesting how that ties in with so much of the hypocrisy in chapter six. But um, reading in context matters. Um, it does. What's another one? Let's see. Romans Romans 8, 28 is probably the next big one. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I feel like I should go into 29. I feel like it just flows off the tongue, but okay, we'll stop there. Yeah, Yeah. because that's the verse that is used and 29 oftentimes isn't isn't attached to it when it's used out of context because I think 29 gives us some more context. And I would also say that I think it most of the time is used starting with the word. All things work together for good. Yeah. I, I think that, I don't know. A lot of times when I see it or hear it, that's kind of, it's like mo- even the first part of 28 is left off a lot of times. Yeah. We just kind of cut to the part we like. Cut yeah. to the gist yeah. of it. And again, it is an encouraging verse. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And it should uplift us and it should get us, give us confidence and like greater faith in our Lord. But like, I think we're kind of like, we miss again. I think it very similarly is to like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, where it's like all things work together for good. What is like? It depends on whose definition of good. Mm. Again, my definition yeah. of good may be you know Grayson gives me a million dollars, but Grayson. Hey, if I had it. Well, thanks for getting my hopes up. Um, <laughs> but I think you know again what we were saying earlier. Like the Lord's definition of good is for our sanctification, for us to become more Christ like. And that's kind of some, you know, that's where tension lies because, you know, that doesn't always feel good. Yeah. Right. It's not always fun. I would actually say it hardly ever feels good. Yeah. It feels bad. <laughs> like, I mean, the things that make us grow like yeah. Christ. Yeah. In the moment. In yes. the moment. I mean, it sucks. Only growing like Christ is Dude. positive, but you're yeah. No. Well, because uh, I think, uh, well, I know Jesus uses that illustration. I think Paul uses it here also, but like kind of the idea of like, you know, a woman and child and child labor and labor, like it does not feel good in the moment, but Mm -hmm. when the child has come, she rejoices, you know what I mean? And I think that's something again, where it's like, yeah, this in the moment again, like having to forbear with rough people Mm. isn't good and enjoyable, but it leads to us becoming more Christ-like like in the moment going through trials and suffering isn't enjoyable. But again, at least us having a faith that is of worth of more worth and more value than gold. And so those things do work together for our good because our good there is again, as Gracie said, sanctification. Yeah. And we can see what this means by all things as well. When you look at the context and in the rest of the chapter, before you get to 28, it talks about um, the difference between life in the flesh and life in the spirit. And it talks about us as believers waiting for future glory. And while we're waiting, what are we doing? We're groaning, suffering, futile, and weakness, bondage to corruption and pains. Um, But all of these things aren't worth comparing to our future glory and hope of redemption that we have in Christ. And that's secured by the Holy Spirit. So we see that this, in quote, all things in this verse is referring to all the adverse things that we will experience in this lifetime that causes weakness and suffering. So it's, it's, it's everything, all of it, all the good, all the bad, the ugly and the uglier is <laughs> the ugliest, <laughs> the ugliest um, of all Sorry. things. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh. For every Leah that listens to this, they're going to be like, what? what wow. Sorry. 
Isn't there a song that's like, all things work together for my good? There is now. Is there? No, there is. I feel like there's a song. There's like a popular Christian song. All things work together for my good. Like that's like the the bridge or tagline of the chorus. You stay the same through the ages. I don't know who wrote it. Your love never changes. Yeah, I was about to say. You're my Santa Claus. All things work together. Dude, that song is a, a good song. I like it. Uh, I don't know that one. I might look it up later. I feel like that's how people enough. think of this first. Like Jesus is Santa Claus. Yeah. Like all things work yeah. together for good. Like, yeah, you know, I'm going to get presents under the tree. Tell him what you want and yeah. Yeah, like he's he'll make it happen. Genie or vending machine. It's like, okay, like I need yeah. this now. Your love never yeah. fails. That's a good song. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. Yeah. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Yeah. See, it's with context stuff. of the song, it sounds pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But that's a good song. Yep. Yeah, I think you go to like verse 29, which is right after 28. That's how numbers work. Mm. Um, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn firstborn among many brothers. Josh's nipples got so hard. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, right there. I can feel it. I can sense it. The good things that happen to us are being conformed to the image of Christ. Because yeah. he said conform to the image of Christ, that one? Yeah. yeah. Right. Or, what did you think? I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what you, you're the one that said. I have no idea. I just, yeah. you know. Oh, you know. Those you and I, knew, I, I totally have no idea what Grayson was getting at now. Oh, no. oh I just give context. We yeah, can go, we can was, go on, we can go on yeah. chapter nine if we need Grayson to. Grayson was... <laughs> He was Grayson's he was sticking really on. Good point and I ruined it. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, Grayson said we're oh, going to chapter nine now, so he, that's what the rest of the night's going to be. We're going to study chapter. Oh nine. my goodness! Yeah. He, Grayson was making the point that in verse twenty nine says to be conformed to the image of his yes. son. Like that's yes. the good. Yeah, is that we'd be conformed to the image of his son? That's the best thing that can happen to us. Yeah, right. Those that have been predestined mm-hmm. will be conformed to the image of his son. Those <laughs> that we're just reading scripture. He chose would be you know he also in, also in verse thirty. Yeah. Now it so, Those this is where context matters extremely. I mean, not, not not that many others or less matter, but like when we read this, people think it's universal. So mm-hmm. all things work together for the good of who? That's why everyone. Yeah. You know, but that's, that's not right. what the passage is saying. Yeah, and that's what the qualifiers are. Mm-hmm. I mean, so if you go back to, gosh, you can go back a long ways and read a lot, but let's not do that. Um, so just in 27, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those, there's a qualifier who love God mm-hmm. qualifier, all things work together for good for those. That's another particular group or not another, but the same who are called. So you have those who um, the spirit is in, interceding for. They're called by God and they're loved by God. And then they are conformed into the image of Christ. All mm-hmm. those are the same. And so those are your qualifiers for God working all things together for the good of who? For those people. And, you know, that's not to be anything that's haughty of any sort. It's just to say, like, let's read this in context. Right. And, you know, we, we can't go around just like we talked about with cliches. Like, we can't go out just blasting cliches on everyone that mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily apply to. And we hope more and more people come into the fold that this would apply to them, but it is specific. And I think that's important when we're reading that and figuring out what it means um, to have that, the qualifiers right. Yeah, this is a earthly good. The The disciples definitely got the wrong end of the stick. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. yeah. Like, and many throughout others. church history, yeah, Christians have been persecuted and martyred and bad things have happened to them. There's been suffering. Uh, we live in a weird time in America where that hasn't really happened like to the physical extent that might say more mm-hmm. about the American church than anything. Yeah. That's another episode Oof. for another day. <laughs> but Speaking yeah. of Americans in the Bible, can we do Luke 22? I don't know what Luke 22 is. Oh, brother. Let's go. This is the one to read that it. I feel like I probably hear and deal with the most. Okay. Okay. Uh, not deal with, but like what verse makes me roll my eyes. Uh, Luke 22 and we can pick it up in verse 35. Um, I'll read it and then I'll kind of uh, 
give what I think is the wrong interpretation. Okay. So starting in Luke 22, verse 35, and he said to them, when I sent you out with no money bags or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said nothing. He said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it and likewise a knapsack. Let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you, Josh is already laughing. For I tell you that the scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. So I've heard this used as like, you know, God is saying you got to get a gun. You got to have guns. <laughs> Jesus wants you to have guns. And he doesn't even say a gun, though. Well, okay. So the correlation they make <laughs> is like the word for sword here is like the Roman longsword, which is like the AK-47 or the AR-15 or whatever I would say. Mm. This is serious. Like there are a number of dudes I've heard say that it was like, you know, the, he's, you know, the, the it's the Roman gladius and da, 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 And that's their version of like a AR-15. And so, you know, Jesus is, you know, wanting us to get a gun because we have to arm ourselves and protect ourselves. And, you know, hmm. yeah. So why are, are those people wrong? That's a good question. Or what is this first saying? Is it saying that we should get a gun? Can you tell my wife that I deserve to have an AR-15, Josh? I mean, I can, but not on this verse. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Grayson. <laughs> so, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know that anybody's truly going to make a biblical case for gun rights oh man you gotta meet more people but i said truly well i mean they'd be trying well slavery was supported right as well. right yeah i mean so it was eradication of the jews and i mean other but things. that doesn't mean we can string together a lot of things to say something i'm mm -hmm. just saying as a government and as a society if society and our government says this is okay then that's one thing but to say that scripture says this mm -hmm. is absolutely another. And um, no, I certainly would not ever be able to look at that and go, that's enough to build a case to say God is saying to us through scripture that we should carry weapons. Um, just as we talked about earlier, Jesus called us to be merciful. He's called us to turn the other cheek. Um, and I'm not saying we can't have guns. I'm not. I'm not divulging either way on this. Right. That's on and, the, the gray matters episode. Um, so I guess what we should have brought up, but um, yeah, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on that. Well, again, they're or wrong. Uh, I think they're again, wrong. You like, said yours are wrong. No, I said you're right. I, <laughs> okay. You're right. But they're wrong. The people are like, again, this means Jesus wants me to have a gun. Um, again, I, if anybody wants to buy me a gun, I don't know if that's actually legal. To you can gift someone a gun, can you? Yeah, buy you can. You can gift them. It'll still be registered whoever's name bought it. But well, if anybody it's the wants way to, to have a ghost gun, I guess kind of thing. It's not a ghost mm. gun. That's what I was he sounds number. very educated on this. I don't know because then if you shoot someone and it's registered in their name, although you your prints would be on it, yeah. I don't know how that works them. out. Uh, you just say somebody stole my gun. All right, never happened to me. So Grayson just gave everyone. How to work, work the system. How to work the system, yeah. <laughs> Look. I just, my, I want an AR and my wife won't let me get one. But again, I don't so think I can. how to use that verse better, man. Dude. Okay, so here's That's the thing. That's what he was asking you verse, for. Yeah, I, was, I was trying to, someone give me a good solid defense. Uh, Jesus, obviously, like, is going to the cross, right? Yeah. And so mm -hmm. again, if Jesus' goal here is like, hey, arm yourselves, prepare for rebellion. Don't let anyone take advantage of you. Be prepared to defend yourself he is going to set a horrible precedent for that, right? Because again, in you know a few hours, Peter's going to grab a sword and chop yeah. a dude's ear off, right. and Jesus rebukes him for it. Yep. He doesn't defend him and say, that's right. Yeah. That's Way why to I go. told you, stand your ground, says, Peter. If you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. Yeah. And so again, Jesus' words aren't affirming that. And again, we see this in the life of the apostles, and again, through most of church history, is these men did not care about their lives. Not yeah. in the sense of, again, yes, we should defend the innocent and stuff like that. That's not what I'm saying. But ultimately, they were willing to give their lives for a greater cause. And ultimately, again, Jesus' example for us is to lay down our lives and sacrifice our lives, to take up our cross daily yeah. and die to ourselves. And so, again, I wouldn't think, I wouldn't, it's hard. Also, there's 12 of them and there's two swords. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> It's not like everybody has two. Yeah. The math ain't math. The math ain't math. And so it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like there, Jesus is making a greater point here. 
It's like Tom share guns. Yeah. <laughs> no, Thomas, you got the sword yesterday. I get it today. I, I get between three and six. Yeah. <laughs> Peter gets it Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah. And then John gets it when Tuesday, Judas Thursday, is coming, Saturday. Peter's going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> so again, the, the issue, Jesus isn't like, again, get a sword, get a gun, defend yourselves. If you want a gun, good for you. But don't use scripture to defend that. Scripture's not giving you permission to do right. that. You just want one. Okay, so um, let's hit one more, um, and then we'll wrap this puppy up. What's uh, what's one that you think is like really overused or misused? Hmm. Let's end on a good one. I'd have to say John fourteen thirteen through fourteen personally. Really? This is very yeah. natural and organic, <laughs> <laughs> smooth. <laughs> That's John what I was 14, going for. What's that say? Uh, let's see. Whatever you ask minute, in my I'm name, this Our, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Ask anything in my name, and I will do it. A genie in a bottle. Mm. I think the common like theme with a lot of these verses is it's like it's a blank check for me to do what it's I good want. Good stuff, baby. Like, yeah. yeah, like you know, I, all things work together for my good. Like you know, you can't judge me. You know, I like it's a blank check for me it's basically saying the bible is supporting the things i already want to do absolutely so i'm going to use mm. the scripture to you know yeah. hey this is what i want to do but god says it's okay it's yeah. like it's our you know spiritual get out get out of jail free yeah, that's card. where we get this whole like the bible being our lens for the world like mixed up like it's our what we want and then we interpret the bible through that yeah like, what yeah. Mm -hmm. saying. yeah we start with our you know we've already come to this conclusion we already this is where what we want and now it's again the bible how can I find support for that in Scripture? Well, it's so. interesting also, and I think this this just happens naturally. You read the Old Testament, and what what do God's blessings look like? It's land, land it's livestock, it's yeah. wealth, it's you know um, He is going to actually a lot of wives, yeah, a lot of babies, and then you got uh, good health, or you know He's going to save your life, and so we see God's blessing that way in the Old Testament. And I think it just kind of becomes part of our natural humanistic self mm. is to think, okay, that's the same now. But the New Testament is so different in that those uh, blessings from God are realized spiritually more so than physically. So mm -hmm. it's not so much about whether he's going to give you land and livestock and riches and wives and babies. And um, it's, it's that you have eternal life. And that's, I think, what we really, really miss is we go, oh, so all this other stuff is what I'm going to get. No, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Most likely not. To in my case. Shy Lin, there you, we go. Let's you, do it. Yeah. We got to work it in, in oh, one, every episode. That's what I'm here for. If you yeah. come to God for money, God's not, you know, God's not your God money is. Like if I'm coming for God and the reason I'm coming to him is to get wealth or to get money yeah. or get prosperity, then those are my gods. Those yeah. are the things I want. Mm -hmm. And again, like he says, God is an end to himself. Like yeah. we come to God that we may have a relationship with the God of the universe. And what is better than that? Doofus. That's even our view. Like when we get to heaven, a lot of times we're like, well, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go talk to this person and I'm going to going to. Yeah, you I'm going to have all the fun in heaven that I could have. Go do all her. these things. And you're like, yeah. no, we're going to be in awe of God. Yeah. yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I get to see Uncle Joe. And yeah. How'd you know I had an Uncle Joe? I, I was talking about my Uncle oh, Joe. Okay. Uh, yeah. say, how's, did you I also know his Uncle Joe is dead? I don't, I don't have an Uncle Joe. Did you kill his Uncle Joe, Josh? Hey, Joe. With that gun that you weren't allowed to have. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going with that gun in your hand? I know. Right? Judge not unless you be judged. <laughs> Mm. So yeah, um, so can I pray whatever I pray God's going to give me? Is that what this verse That's is what it me? sounds like. Like if you just add the words literally in, in Christ's name. name to, hey, I really want a black Jeep Wrangler with black rims in Christ's name, then that means it'll happen, right? Add in those magical words. Oh, uh, mm. is that what that means? <laughs> but did you ask rightly? Yeah. I think, I think she said in Christ's name. I mean, well, I said in Christ's name. It's interesting that there are other things mentioned in Christ's name. Um, like, for example, in Matthew 18, Jesus welcomes his disciples in, in my name. Um, and also Matthew 18 talks about us being assembled together to judge in my name. Jesus is saying these things. The Holy Spirit in John 14 being sent in my name. So in my name is not just like a blanket. Like there's got to be more to in my name than just saying in Jesus name, <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. not just a magic formula set of words. It means something mm -hmm. that's more substantial 
um, than just Jesus. You know, like you just say Jesus and that's going to make it all better. Um, I think it's to like within your heart, it's a posture to identify yourself with the purpose of Christ and to, to submit your will to his and to want what he wants and, and more of that stuff than the fun stuff. (laughs) It seems, I mean, to further the bummer, but in verse 12, it's, you know, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because Mm -hmm. I'm going to the father. And again, that, that, that theme is carried out through the rest of uh, Jesus's discourse here. We see in, you know, Mm -hmm. John 15, like, you know, if you abide in me, you'll, you'll bear much fruit. And I I think Mm -hmm. the idea of what we're praying for here, you know, isn't so much for that new Jeep Wrangler. It's we're praying that God would, you would work through us Mm -hmm. and that, you know, we would see people get saved and we'd see life change. We see his kingdom come and his kingdom, you know, break through and earth. And that's what we are praying more than we're praying, you know, for that Jeep Wrangler. Yeah. And so that's where it's, you know, again, like I think it's God's purpose and God's will that we're praying for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And not we're praying for his will, but we're also, we, we have a desire for his will. And interestingly, uh, I am going to the father seems to be the qualifier for all of this because even in thinking about, you know, Jesus saying the promise of spending the, uh, bringing the Holy Spirit, which is what he talks about. And just after this, um, which happens after he goes to the father, mm-hmm. but, um, he, so greater works I'll do as because it's, I'm sorry, greater works you'll do because I go to the father, uh, you'll pray in my name. And then he promises the Holy spirit. Well, the greater works that are going to be done are because, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to work through multitudes of people to go out and mm-hmm. spread the gospel. And it's not to be taken in that we're going to do greater miraculous works than Jesus mm-hmm. It's that we are going to spread the gospel in a way that he was, he was limited to himself, uh, as a physical person on this earth as to one, whereas the spirit's going to move through tons of people. And then interestingly, we see that happen in acts and what happens when they pray. You know, there's all this boldness, crazy boldness that you see the apostles have and they're aligning themselves with mm-hmm. God's will. They're wanting to do his will. They're praying, not just like I'm going to say the name of Jesus, but they're praying in, I want God's will to come about. And um, so they're praying for that. And the Holy Spirit is doing that. But anyway, going to the father, I think is a key qualifier to a lot of these, uh, both of these things mentioned here because it's after Jesus's ascension and the Holy Spirit comes upon Mm -hmm. his people. It's similar to, I guess, what we were just talking about as far as, you know, people, it's not just asking for physical things, Mm -hmm. you know, it's asking for spiritual things and not to say we can't ask, like, I know we have a guy right now in our church who's had an accident and he's in horrible health. And of course we're all praying for physical things Mm -hmm. to happen, you know? And uh, we see even helping physically as well, as far as like financially or things like that. And we see that happen in acts where people are prayed for, for physical Mm -hmm. things. Jesus does. I mean, he tells us to, you know, ask for our daily bread and stuff. He, Mm -hmm. so again, we do ask for provisions. I think the danger sometimes becomes we ask for things that the Lord might not want. I I think of, you know, Paul in second Corinthians where he's like, you know, I've asked that, you know, you take this thorn away from me, but the Lord responds, my grace is sufficient. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and for his weakness. And so it's that thing of like, man, Paul is asking in Christ's name. You know what I mean? And God says no. And he says, you know, I have a greater purpose and plan for you here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's where I think again, through, throughout a lot of the verses we have to understand is like, it, it a lot of times it's our will for our lives versus God's will for our lives. Mm-hmm. And it's, these things competing. And so we might want to take these verses and passages and say, okay, God will give me what I want and make my, all my dreams come true when God is actually after something so much greater. And that is again, us becoming more like Christ and us having greater fellowship with him. Yeah. And so not settling for lesser things. Yeah. It's almost like we make ourselves the main characters in yeah. these verses. Mm-hmm. And like, God is this like this helpmate or something that's like going to get us to, you know, take us to the next, level. To the next level. And, it's not the point. Like God is, he is the one that this is about. This is his story. It's about him. And we are merely grateful to be in it. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we have a, like we're talking about like things we need. Like I think we need a lot less than we actually think we do. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We just happen to be blessed with abundance. Yeah. Maybe cursed with well, it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe and we won't Shout out James yeah. Wan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, it's interesting that um, if you take Jesus, for example, and, and he his prayers to the Father, the one in particular where he's praying that this cup would be removed from him, you know, he, he of course he's praying in alignment with God's will, mm-hmm. you know, but um, we don't see like this magic formula of him saying something, saying just the right words. Right. He didn't pray in Christ's answer. name. I mean, he, did. he didn't say, <laughs> he in didn't my say, name, in, amen. In, in, in my name. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sure we just crossed <laughs> the line right there. Praying, yeah. does he have to say in his name? cut that out. We'll see. Anyway. I said, if he's praying, does he have to say in his name? Exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, for the formula to work. I guess so. But his prayer in the way, like we will say his prayer was answered. Because he said, um, nevertheless. This, yeah, nevertheless, this is what I'm asking you for, but nevertheless, your will be done, not mm-hmm. mine. And I think that's, um, you know, a very, very good approach yeah. in prayer. But that's mm-hmm. this is not a podcast about prayer. So, um, a very healthy way to come about it because this verse isn't saying that everything we pray about is going to get answered, obviously. So, like Ryan mentioned, we have to be prepared for that no. And not that we will always be prepared for it, but we're going to receive them nonetheless. So, or a, a wait or, you know, whatever is a not now. So those are answers. Those are <laughs> answers. Yes. Just not yeah. the ones that we want to hear. Yeah. So um, for us to know that that waiting or that no altogether, or even that yes, um, sometimes a no is the better option. And a waiting is the better option because you learn so much through the waiting so much growth happens through that no that we wouldn't have expected, nor would we have wanted in the first place. I, I mean, I'd be curious. Um, so with you all being involved in youth, all of you, um, what are, I guess, and I, maybe we've kind of touched on these, but just maybe real briefly, what, what do you think are some of the biggest um, the biggest um, issues that gets generated by interpreting these passages and any others wrongly? I think sometimes like I, I've actually had students like bring up John 14 and the sense of like, Hey, I read this. And I got really excited, you know, but like, you know, I prayed and, and not necessarily that they're like, you know, wanting God to just be their genie, but it is a tough verse because yeah. it does, you know, sounds like it's a, you know, it's a, it's a golden ticket. And so I think a lot of times it's having to like, I appreciate one of the things I appreciate with teenagers is their willingness to ask questions um, sometimes, sometimes they think they know it all and they're stupid, but a lot of times there, <laughs> there's this humility of like, Hey, I read this and that's what, this is what it sounds like. It's saying to me, mm-hmm. like help, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. I appreciate that. I think sometimes when we get older, we kind of lose that humility of, mm-hmm. you know, Hey, I don't know everything. And so let me ask someone and reading the Bible and community and thinking, okay, Hey, you know, you've been walking with the Lord longer than I have, Am, you know? Am I reading this right? Am I getting this? And so mm-hmm. I think that childlikeness of willing to ask questions and do the hard work is fantastic. So yeah, shout out to the youngins. Shout out to the youth. I think the danger is in when we read a lot of these that are about prosperity and or that we can misconstrue to be about prosperity and are good is that when things don't happen, when suffering happens, when trials come, when tribulation mm-hmm. comes to our lives and we're like, what, what about this verse that says nothing bad is going to happen to me or that mm-hmm. I'm going to prosper yeah. and that can lead to questions and to doubting. And, yeah. you know, did God lie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is God, yeah. is God real? Is he yeah. truthful? Like, yeah. is he trustworthy? Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, that's what all of us deal with. Is God mm-hmm. trustworthy? Do mm-hmm. I trust mm-hmm. what his word says or do I trust what I think or the world says? Yeah. And so that's where it gets dangerous and can lead to, I mean, it can lead to people falling away from the faith mm-hmm. um, or to, I mean, Depends how you look at that, but you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, no, I think it really, a lot of these verses just taken out of, out of context and being misunderstood in the way that we discussed, it really, like y'all mentioned, just makes us haughty. It makes us think we know everything and um, that we can just really make it happen on our own. I think it keeps us a lot of times from relying on God and for help in certain ways. And so it's like, if I just dig in even harder, then I can just make it happen. And I'm 
personally being taught this lesson over and over and over again that no, you can't. (laughs) So you don't have control over everything. So that kind of goes along with our last episode. But um, I think these verses out of context or any verses out of context, when we twist them to what we want, it's, it's going to make ourselves greater than what we are. So that leads to all kinds of problems. Yeah. Well, fantastic. We appreciate you listening, watching, whatever format you're taking this in. And uh, we're going to sign off. Hope you have a great time, day, night. I don't I always just... You do that. I jack, up, I jack this up. I don't know how to end this. Good. But As y'all the prophet take Nathan said to David, you are the man. <laughs> <laughs> and peace out. Adios. Uh, I uh, forgot live, laugh, love. Dang it. Live, laugh, love, <laughs> that guys. Should have talked about uh, it. When I do, do we get our angel wings? Carol.